this was a pretty high episode. It was it was okay. Mine um, ended in someone getting burned to death. Yeah, and my person got <laughs> executed on death row. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Show. I'm Lauren. I'm Megan. You guys, fall came. We hey, got busy. And we're here, but <laughs> we're still busy, but we're here. Yeah, we're here to freak you out with topics that we've researched and we're going to tell you all about them. And we're going to tell each other about them because we don't know Most what we're importantly, gonna t- <laughs> we're going to tell each other about so them. So we're mainly telling each other. I'm just looking at Lauren while I'm going to. I like to look straight at the microphone when I talk <laughs> it's as like, if it's an audience. And I look straight at Lauren the whole time. I know, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> audience of one. <laughs> we're going to tell you all about our freaky topics that we brought this week and every week one of us brings a drink that's kind of a hint to what the topic is going to be lauren this cocktail looks like something i would order at a bar it's got an expressed orange in it it's like an old-fashioned it looks like are you calling me a mixologist sure is that what you heard yeah 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 okay um okay this drink has irish whiskey sweet vermouth green chartreuse Mm. angostura bitters and an orange twist okay and it is called Tipperary. <laughs> I knew you'd be mad, but that's what it's called. Wait, say it again. Tipperary. Can you spell it? T-I-P-P-E-R-A-R-Y. Tipperary. <laughs> I'm like in a spelling bee. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please use it in a sentence? <laughs> I think that you are going to talk about the weird industry of tipping. Mm. Love that. You know I can get heated about economic injustice. I know. Now in my mind, as soon as I said, I was like, wait, no, cow tipping. Wait, no. And now my mind's going a million other places. All right. Well, should we try it? Let's cheers. I think it's going to be yummy. Not my favorite. Is it because it's sweet vermouth? I don't know. I like sweet vermouth. I think it's the green chartreuse. Oh, I love green chartreuse. You do? Yeah. So herby. How are we learning so much about each other? I don't know because literally... I've told you this on this podcast every time it's in a drink, which has at least been three. That you, that you love green chartreuse? Yeah. You've literally never said that to me once. I'll run the tape back. <laughs> You're going to go scrub If now? I had more time on my hands, <laughs> I would literally find the episode I said that in and then edit it into here. But our audience knows. Okay. They're like rolling their eyes at you right now. They're like, Megan, of course she All likes right. it. Whatever. Should we last person first to see who's going to go first? Yes. I'll do it. Do you want to talk about this new submission of last person firsts that we have now? Yeah, the new options we have have all been written by members of my family because I made them do it when we were on our way to Norway. Okay. I got this real little tiny one, and it says, who was the last person to purchase new shoes? Oh. Fun. <sighs> I don't... Well, I just bought some new shoes at the end of August for a wedding. That definitely counts. I'm going to okay. say you win for okay. sure because I... I just last night brought out a new pair of boots that I purchased, and Kevin was like, whoa, new boots. And I go, yeah, because A, it's fall. Yeah, it's boot season. It's boot season, but I bought them in May when they were on sale, and they've just been sitting in the what closet. What a smart lady you are. Thank you. Thank okay, you. well, I get to go first. Okay. And tell oh. you all about cow tipping. All right. Are you ready to freak me out? Because I am not ready with a timer. <clears throat> I am ready. My you la- let me know when it's time to start. It's time right now. Okay. 
We're going back in time, but don't worry, it's not a history lesson. Okay, thank you. I know you. you don't like history or lessons. I just get lessons. bored because I yeah. can't. Right, right, right. It's March 14th, 1895. Too far back. Okay. We're in Ireland. Mm-hmm. County Tipperary, to be exact. Oh, God. You <laughs> son of a bitch. I know, but how exciting. When and like I was an, like, like an Irish county, <laughs> I was like, yeah. It's a village called Ballyvadley. It's just like very Irish. I feel like you didn't say it correctly. I definitely did. Okay. But thanks for your vote of confidence, mm-hmm. Megan. Always. A woman named Mary Kennedy is making a short walk from her house to her niece's house, about half mile. She's been making this walk a lot in the last few days because her niece, Bridget, who's 26, has been really, really sick. Okay. Ooh, an 1800s sick? You don't know what that is. Yeah, like she's been so sick that just the day before this, a priest had been called to the house to deliver last rites, just Uh, in case. Like, it's not looking good, so they've had sort of this steady stream of family to spend time with her and to, like, sit with her. Mm -hmm. Basically, like... She's going to die, mm-hmm. you know? So Mary walks over, but today as she gets closer to the house, house, <laughs> <laughs> one sip of this drink uh, and I'm like, ugh, slurring everywhere. love word. a house party. <laughs> <laughs> she hears shouting coming from inside. Uh-oh. Fun shouting? Hur- doesn't seem like it. Okay. She hurries to the door, opens it, and sees six men holding her niece down on the bed. Uh-oh. Three of those men are Mary's sons. Oh. One is Bridget's dad, and the man who is shouting is Michael, Bridget's husband. Okay. Michael is standing right over his wife, screaming at her, Are you Bridget Boland, the wife of Michael Cleary? In the name of God, are you Bridget Boland? Oh, God. Is this going to be a fucking exorcism? Or so- Oh, my it's God. Like are borderline? we haunted? Are we haunted? <laughs> Bridget's like, yes, that's who I am. But Michael is not convinced. He keeps yelling at her, keeps repeating the question, are you Bridget, the wife of Michael Cleary? And she's like, yes, I am your wife. Okay. And he's holding this saucepan full of milk and herbs. Um, and okay. he's like trying to pour it down her throat, basically like forcing it to swallow it. That's like part of the reason why all these dudes are holding her down so that she like can't resist. S- swallows the milk and herbs? Yeah. Okay. But despite all of this, Michael is completely convinced that the woman on the bed is not his wife. He and the other men think that she is an evil fairy known as a changeling mm-hmm. that has taken the form of his wife after she's been abducted. Okay. Okay. I wrote, how'd we get to this moment? Let's go back. That's exactly what I would like to know. <laughs> because at first I was like, are you going to do some dumb face blindness shit again? Like, you know I would. <laughs> I know you would. Okay. So Michael and Bridget met in August 1887 in the town where Michael worked as a cooper, which means he builds wine caskets, like the wooden caskets that you age oh, whiskey and stuff in. Okay, fun. And Bridget was a dressmaker's apprentice. They married that same month, because it's like 1887. Can you imagine? No. Honestly. Yeah. I can't. Because you know they're not spending a lot of alone time together, so do they even know each other? No, this is like some love is blind bullshit. I'm like, I guess we have to get engaged right now. Yeah, if I want to see your face, I guess we're engaged. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I, I wasn't going to say face, but yeah. (laughs) Well, in love is blind. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Okay, Okay, so they married that same month, but after the wedding, she ended up going back to her hometown of Bally Vadley to live with her parents. 
She has, like, keeps working as a seamstress, which is pretty unusual for a married woman at the time. But she liked her job. She liked having some independence. Mm-hmm. And apparently she liked not living in the same town right. as her just, husband. And she's like, boy, you snore. I want a good night's sleep. I'll <laughs> yeah, come visit I need to once go in a two while. towns over, so I don't hear you. Exactly. I'll come home when I want to come home and <laughs> deal with it. Her parents were, like, not that healthy and pretty old, so... Pretty quickly after that, her mom passed away. Mm. And at that point, she and Michael basically took on the responsibility of, like, taking care of her dad, Patrick. Okay. Did Michael live there, too, with them? He moved after the mom died. Okay. Also, can I... I don't know if you know the answer to this weird question. Do you know how old she was when she got married? Yes. 18. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was... Wow. Boom. Just Where'd that really pulled that right out of my <laughs> Didn't head. Didn't even look down at your notes. <laughs> Didn't write it down. Yes. 18. Okay. So, because Patrick, the dad, had spent his life as a laborer at this time in Ireland, that meant he was entitled to, like a nicer level of housing in this town. Like, certain houses were available to people who had, like, given their time as certain jobs. Weird. Don't ask me. But also, it's kind of like, that's kind of nice. Cool. Yeah. Of, like, oh, you, like, put your body at risk yeah. for the better, like, the betterment of the town. Yeah. Here's a nice home versus it's like, mm, fuck you. <laughs> we both said fuck you at the same time. That's the American way. Fuck you. Oh, your body's broken? Sorry. No, sorry sucks. about it. Oh, you owe us money to fix it. <laughs> so the three of them move into like a pretty nice cottage. And it was actually one of the best ones in the whole village. But it had been vacant for a while. And no one was really like that interested in it. Because everyone believed that it was built on the site of an ancient fairy fort. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, burial ground, but no. an ancient fairy fort is even scarier, because I don't know what that could be. I'll tell you. <laughs> so, apparently in Ireland, there are these fairy forts or fairy ring forts all over the place, and they're basically these, like, circular mounds that used to be, like, circular stone walls, but over hundreds of years, like have been overgrown with grass and trees mm-hmm. and stuff. So it just looks like underneath the earth, there's like perfect rings of circles. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can see how it would become like this mystical. Right. Whatever. People don't understand it. So they're yeah. going to say that's a fairy fort. Yeah. So they're all over the place. There's like thousands of them still in Ireland. Okay. And they have inspired a lot of like local folklore. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these stories involve fairies and other supernatural creatures that will defend their forts against farmers or people who want to build on top of them. Mm-hmm. And even at this time in like the late 1800s, almost 1900, many people in Ireland believed that in all of these folklore and one Irish man was quoted in 1900 saying, quote, nothing is more certain than there are fairies. Nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. If I know one thing. <laughs> He's like, literally, I don't even know my name. Yeah. So these fairies can be kind and generous, but they can also be evil and vindictive. So okay. it's like not a great... Omen. No. Okay. But for the next seven years or so, the couple and her dad live in this cottage. Bridget continues her work. She starts raising chickens and selling eggs. And the neighbors, like, generally liked them, thought they were, like, in a happy marriage. But they didn't love that she worked. They thought that was very strange. Yeah, because she shouldn't have to, right? Exactly. Or, like, she has the audacity to work. How dare. And they really didn't think it was cool that she would, like, do the home deliveries of her eggs on her own, like, unaccompanied. Oh, wow. Because who knows what she's going to get into. And it was on one of these home deliveries on March 4th. 1895, so 10 days before Mm -hmm. our story started, Mm -hmm. that sets in motion 
everything that's to come. Okay. So Bridget was walking three miles to one of her cousin's houses. She walked three miles to make a delivery. Uphill both ways, Megan. Wow. It's like one of her regular routes, so she's not thinking anything of it. She passes a different ferry fort. Uh Uh-oh, I wrote down what it's called, and it's so Irish. Uh, Kylan Grahag Hill, whatever. Kyle's Ferry Fort. That's what we're going to call it. (laughs) Okay. And when she returned home, almost immediately, she starts to have, like, chills. Like, fever chills. Okay. Like, she's sick. The next day, she couldn't get out of bed. She's super sick. Mm -hmm. She's got this, like, raging fever. She says there's, like, this horrible pain in her head. And over the next few days, she gets sicker and sicker and sicker. And unfortunately for Bridget, it was a pretty obvious sign that she's been snatched by fairies. Clearly. (laughs) Yeah. All I'm thinking is, like, imagine a time when you've, like, felt kind of sick. What if you had just walked by in your mind and you're like, it's from that fairy fort I just walked by, obviously. <laughs> Bridget doesn't think this. The town thinks this. Oh, Bridget's like, you guys are stupid. She's I'm like, fine. I'm sick. Yeah. And, but I love Bridget. But at this time, yeah, she we're, seems cool. We are all Bridget. <laughs> and so at this time in this area, locals believed that if you walked too close to a fairy circle, you might get snatched by a fairy who mm. was unable to have her own children. And so she would take pretty people like bridget's very beautiful so they, she would like snatch <sighs> bridget to make bridget part of the fairy family so she, they think that like she snatched bridget and then replaced her with a changeling which would look just like bridget but you'd be able to but identify this changeling but a few different ways like maybe they are starting to have like st- take strange actions or they might look slightly different than the human they replaced or they'll fall ill Got it. I don't know. I was just picturing like you showing up, but you have like bright red hair. But it's you. I was like, no, it's definitely me. And you're like, no, it's totally me. It's Ask me, me anything. <laughs> Bridget's sick. Her father, like in the beginning, the first couple of days, he walks to the nearest doctor. It's four miles away and like begs the doctor to come and look at his daughter. Mm-hmm. Doctor like couldn't come at that time. And over the next week, her husband, Michael, actually makes the same walk to the doctor, like, over and over. Why like, everyone begging. walking everywhere? Don't they have, like, carriages back then? I don't think they then? have a lot of money. Car- okay. And it isn't until the ninth day of her illness that the doctor can come to see her. Okay. So he, like, examines her, and his diagnosis is, quote, nervous excitement and slight bronchitis. <laughs> and I feel like what she actually has is bronchitis. Yeah. I feel like... <laughs> Also, when you're like, the doctor finally came and you immediately want to be like, oh, thank God. But of course, like, also then you have to remember doctors back then. And it's like, no, no, she's a changeling. (laughs) Like, that's what the doctor No, the doctor was like, she has bronchitis. And he gave her medicine. Like, prescribed her medicine. Uh, That's better than what I was expecting. I was was literally expecting fairy fort changeling. Sorry. (laughs) And it's that same day that the... They also call the priest um, because she's just like not to give doing last well. rites. So like she's doing yeah. So, so the doctor finally got there, but it's like it's gotten so bad that they were like just in case whatever mm-hmm. the priest yeah. should come. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, by this point, so Michael was like, she's sick, she's sick, she's sick, and then by this point, he's like, mm, I'm actually pretty sure this woman isn't my wife, <laughs> and he like, said she was quote, two inches taller and too fine to be Bridget. She's too fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you think Bridget's like, fuck yeah, I'm fine. I've always been this fine. So, because he is also now convinced of the fairy theory, he doesn't give her the medicine that the doctor prescribes. Oh, no. Because he's like, that's actually not going to help. He's like, I don't want this changeling to live longer. Yeah, he's like, what I need to do is consult the local fairy doctor who whips up that milk and herb mixture and is like, you need to get her to drink this. That'll help, you know? Right. And he enlisted this, like, group of men, the cousins and her dad, to, like, hold her down while he made her drink it. 
yelling, he yelled, take it, you witch, or I'll kill you. Oh, fun. That's according to Mary Kennedy. And the, it's her dad that's also there holding her down. Yeah, he's on board with this whole theory as well. Right. Also, two inches taller. I don't know why that, like, for some reason stood out to me. Like, this is not <laughs> That's her. just, like, in his brain. Yeah. He's, like, looking for anything. He probably doesn't know her that well. Right. <laughs> they, I mean, they dated for a month. <laughs> and he's like, she's two inches taller now. I don't know. So, okay, they get her to drink the milk to drive the fairy out of her body. They throw urine on her. Mm, what do you mean by throw? Like they, urine. I think, pee in a cup and throw it on her. It's better than what I thought you were gonna say. What did you think I was gonna say? Pee straight on her. Oh no, they're throwing it. It's civilized. <laughs> they take a hot poker from the fire and burn her forehead. What? And all the while he's like yelling at her, "Who are you? Where's my wife?" Blah blah blah. And by the end of the night. She's just, like, laying there, right. exhausted and, like, basically like, tortured. please leave me alone. Things calm down. And Michael's, like, feeling pretty good that he's, he did the right thing and she's back. Like, he's like, he's you're like, welcome. Okay. okay. We're good. I solved it. And the next morning, Bridget feels well enough to get up and get dressed for the first time since she got sick 11 days ago. So I he's like, to be right. He's like, it worked. <laughs> Is she feeling well enough to leave his ass? Because, <laughs> hello. So they have some relatives over that afternoon for tea. Like, uh, Mary's back and the cousins and dad are all, like, having tea. Things are, like, really looking on the bright side. Do you think someone's like, hey, Bridget, what's going on with your forehead? What's that weird <laughs> no, burn? they were, like, all there. Okay. Um, but then she, like, pours herself a cup of tea. Bridget turns to Michael and says, can you pass the milk? And Megan, fairies love milk. So this is not a good sign. Oh, God. <laughs> Michael uh, is enraged. He's like, it didn't work. You're still a fairy. Because she asked for milk in her tea. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine how mad you would be if you were Bridget? Oh. Uh, like, we have to do this again? Okay. So his exorcism hadn't worked. He starts questioning her again. We have, uh, also, fairies love milk? Why are you feeding her milk and herbs? I don't know. To get it out? I don't know. Okay. So he starts questioning her again, and this time, since she was feeling better, she was, like, getting a little sassy yeah, back to she, him. Oh my gosh, I love this. This is, like, She's one of the quotes that heated. Mary said she said. Something like, you just think I'm a fairy because your mom used to hang out with fairies. And he did not like that besmirching his mom's good name. Yeah, it's like, your mom's a fairy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> so the next actions that he took escalated quickly. First, he forced her to eat a bunch of bread. Oopsies. No explanation of that. Oops, sorry. Then she's like, great. He, nom, nom, like, nom. pulls her up, starts, like, ripping her clothes, throws her on the ground, takes a log from the fire, and uses it to set her on fire in front of her family. Wait. Like, and they're not stopping. Like, her clothes catch on fire, and she's just, like, on the floor on fire. So, and no one tried to, uh-oh. It's Time's okay. up. I'm close. Okay. They start screaming, like, stop burning your wife, stop burning your wife. Yeah. And he just looks at them and he goes, that's not my wife. Uh-oh. And she burns to death. <gasps> no. Yeah. That is not how this ends. Later that night, he carried her charred remains a quarter mile away and buries them. And then for the next three nights, Michael sits on that same ring fort, Kyle's ring fort. Mm-hmm. Fully believing that the fairies will now show up to return his real wife. No. Mm-hmm. But before they do, guess who does show up? The cops. The cops. Yes. Yeah. 
They had found her body because they didn't dig very deep. Right. Also, Uh, everyone saw it happen. Yeah, so they arrest Michael and seven other people, all the people in the house. Oh, no, because they didn't stop it. Yeah, and they didn't tell anybody. Right, and they're like, no, no, it's fairies. It's like, you have to understand. They arrest him and her dad and all the cousins and Mary. Mm -hmm. The trial was front page news all over Ireland and England. Weird thing, hold on. Do you think that, because we don't know a lot about, like, late 1800s, do you think that by this, because, like, we're like, oh, yeah, it's late 1800s, no one knows anything, blah, blah, blah. Maybe people actually did know better at this point, and I'm they... I'm about to get okay, to Okay, like, were they, like, the weird religious ones? They're like, no, it's fairies. I'm about to get to Okay, go. Great segue. <laughs> Their trial lasted two days. Everyone was found guilty mm-hmm. of, like differing levels of charges like michael's charge was the worst it was like murder and the rest of them were like helping to cover it up or like mm-hmm. whatever i'll go to jail a lot of people in england were like hooked on this news because oh, they were like irish people are so weird yeah they're like there's just more proof that they're so weird and right. they believe in fairies Fairy and it's forts. like they're so backwards up there right but a lot of people in ireland were like pretty sure that this happened because Bridget wouldn't acquiesce to Michael's demands to stop working. Right. And so to she like, was like the weird independent one that was like working yeah. and had an opinion. So like there is a lot of that folklore of like fairies in Ireland that is true. But even then people were like a lot of times the people who were accused of being changelings, like being swapped. Right. Were women who were like successful or independent and it was almost like witch trial vibes mm-hmm. over here. Yeah. So it's like I'm there was that. a reason that it was her and not like, you know. Right. Like a stay-at-home wife who like did whatever her husband said. Okay. So today historians feel pretty sure that Michael never believed in the fairy part of it all. He was educated, relatively wealthy. He like repeatedly asked an actual doctor when she first got sick to come help her. And then all of a sudden decided, oh wait, actually, I think she's been switched by a fairy and so they think he used it as an excuse to basically get rid of her like trying to find an out of like yeah. the marriage because yeah. like like they think that he like decided she needed to go right. and was like maybe i'll like lean into this yeah batshit crazy folklore and like her family might actually believe me if i really lean into this yeah and yeah and then i'll just end was one historian thinks that the group of men like the cousins and her dad and michael that were involved in her murder were quote trying to find a way to publicly or culturally punish someone like bridget cleary who's occupying a more modern space for women than most folks were able to envision at that time in ireland <sighs> Fucked. She's just like breaking glass ceilings. She seems awesome. And then everyone's like, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, she gets slight bronchitis and she's a little nervous. Right. And she's like, oh, your mom's a fairy. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> like, like, she's like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, I, love, like, I would hang yeah. out with her. I love that. Also, shout out to your friend for giving me this topic. Was it Rose? Yeah. Damn it. It's such a good one. I cannot believe she did that. <laughs> I know. For those who don't know, <laughs> uh, Megan's friend Rose sent an email to the Freak Show Pod Gmail account. And the topic, the like first line was like, this is for Lauren. I already gave you one, Megan. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> she gave me the Taliesin. The, she told me that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wow, um, so, great. Anyway. But she said that she thought of this one for me because when she was casually reading the Wikipedia page about it, she saw that one theory like later floated out by historians was that he had Kagras syndrome. I knew it. I was yeah. like, you're getting into Kagras. But it's that sort of like been debunked because 
it was like a group that right. got into it and it was like and like they think he just it seemed her. a little bit too calculated like yeah. a little bit too yeah okay but yeah that's the murder of bridget mm-hmm. cleary i mean well good job fuck you rose <laughs> thank you rose do, you're the best doing that keep them coming <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll take a break and come right back We're back. We're back. We're ready to mm-hmm. get freaked out even more. Maybe? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think it's a good. I think it's gonna be a good one. All right. Do you have anything you'd like to say to me, or should we just get right into it? I say hit that timer, <laughs> yo. <laughs> okay, your fifteen minutes starts now. Here we go. It's December eleventh, nineteen eighty-one. My topic is all about Margie Palm. Okay. So I like the name Margie. Yeah, Margie. She decides to stop at a Kmart outside of her home of San Antonio, Texas. Okay, I've heard of it. She's driving along. It's kind of Christmas time. She's a mother of two. She's 30. She wants to do a little Christmas shopping mm-hmm. at the local Kmart. She wasn't planning on stopping, but she's driving. She's like, I'm going to swing in here. Mm-hmm. So just as she's finishing up, she's walking to her car with all of her bags from the Kmart. And in the parking lot, she is suddenly approached... By a man with a gun. No. Uh, mm-hmm. And Margie's like, what? He shoves her in the car and tells her to drive him to a bus station because he wants to go to Austin. Okay. It seems like there's better ways to ask for a ride. No, that's not really, though. It's, there's more happening here. Because, okay. like, so she's shaking. She's scared. Yeah, she's like, what the fuck is happening? He is all cranked up. He's on a couple drugs and anything anyways. He's screaming at her that if she doesn't behave, he'll kill her. Because in his words, and this is a quote, what's one more damn dead bitch at this point? Oh my god. Mm-hmm. So that's telling us he is maybe has killed before. That is telling us that exactly. Thank okay. you for that segue. Mm-hmm. He is not just a crazy man with a gun. This man is actually a serial killer. Oh no. His name is Stephen Morin. And he had already killed over 30 people in the span of five years. What? Yeah. That's so many. And very, oh yes, absolutely. And it's mostly been women. Mm -hmm. Most of them look very similar to Margie. What does Margie look like? Young, petite, blonde. Mm. He basically is, over the course of five years, how he's been doing this is that he basically, everyone says he's a chameleon. He has even been able to change identities over the course of these five years, changing himself to be very likable, very approachable. He'll, like, commit a murder yeah. and then move to another town and be the other guy that's doing this. So, like, someone totally different. But he even met some people multiple times as different people, and they didn't know. What? They didn't know he was like the same specifics person. specifics about that? I do, but I didn't write it down. There was a woman that met him as one of his other identities. Yeah. Then he came back as the new identity. She only found out later. She's like, I is literally like, had no idea that was the same he's person. He's making this conscious choice, or is he, like, have a mental disorder where he believes he's multiple people? No, it's the first one. Okay. He is making the choice. Yeah. It's calculated. So, at the time that he meets Margie, he is on a killing spree, basically. He's really mm. cranked it up over the course of these that's five years. That's not when years. you want to meet a guy. Oh, that's not when you. That's not when you want to no. meet, meet anyone. Earlier that day, though, he had made a mistake. 
he had pulled a gun on 21-year-old Carrie Scott in a parking lot in San Antonio. Like, broad daylight pulled a gun on her. Yes, broad daylight. Her friend suddenly shows up when this happens. Like, he pulls the gun, her friend shows up, surprising him. He immediately shoots both women. Oh my god. Because he doesn't know what to do. He panics a little bit. So he shoots Carrie fatally. She dies right away. And the friend that had approached, basically, like, he takes her. And is like, let's go. And takes her away. I'm assuming... Just because he's gotten away with it for so long, this is not how he typically kills no, people in no, broad no. daylight. He has, like, a whole, like, okay. thing yeah. of, like, and he, like, by changing the identities and all of yeah. it, it's very calculated. So this is, like, he's too exposed. He's, like, oh, shit. He's scared. So he shoots Carrie fatally. Oh, sorry. I, I, he didn't take the friend right away, but a bystander took down his license plate number because this was in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. And so hours later, the cops track him to a motel. And they're like, they don't know what's happening yet. They're like, this is just some guy that, like, shot these two yeah, girls in the middle of nowhere. Like, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He leaves his room at one point. They have tracked him down, but he doesn't know they're there. He leaves his room, but fun fact, there's already a woman named Pamela Jackson that's being held hostage oh in God. that room. When you say room, is he at a hotel? Motel, yeah. Okay. They tracked him to a motel. A woman is being held hostage oh in the room. They track him down. He leaves to go get a Coke from a vending machine. Well, thirsty. Yeah. But he sees the cops in the parking lot. And he, like, recognizes. He's like, wait a minute. That's not a normal car right there. Mm -hmm. He kind of, like, sees them there. Yeah. So he goes back to his room. And he quickly climbs out of a tiny bathroom window to escape before the motel is swarmed by the SWAT team. And this, I didn't write it down, but the window was crazy small. Really? Like, he was, like, somehow able yeah. to, like, move his body around. So they basically go in. They find Pamela in there. She's fine. They save okay. her. But, like, he's gone. Yeah. So That's good for Pam. Yeah, it's good for Pam. Not great for Margie, though. Okay. Margie's in trouble because he is... Panicking. He's panicking. He yeah. basically is on the run right now. Of oh shit, they almost got me back there after a five year stint is of killing she people. Like the first person he encounters from like leaving the motel. I don't think so. Okay, but I think he was her type, and he was waiting. He found her. She was by herself. Yeah. So he approached her and was like, "Get in the car." Yeah. This is going to be a little bit of a spoiler though, because I'm going to start quoting things that he is saying in the car to her. She doesn't die. Thank God. Okay. I like that kind of spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be an even better spoiler right now. My topic is actually not just Margie or Stephen. My topic is Stephen Morin and the 30-year-old Texas mom who single-handedly stopped him. I love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's Margie. Good for Margie. (laughs) Yeah, it's good for Margie. This is the middle of the day when Stephen also approaches Margie's car. So there's literally like oblivious shoppers walking around walking around the car and steven is talking about how they'll probably both die in a shootout later that day he is all hopped up i mentioned this and he is just going off about how she is a sheltered princess what and he is talking about how he's been treated so badly in his life and like animals have been treated better than me and you don't even know how you are such a little princess look at you And all Margie says is, I'm sorry. She just keeps saying that to him. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I would not keep my cool in the situation such as this. Oh, absolutely (laughs) not. And so also, I think that at this point, they are moving. Like, they are driving around now. 
And then at one point, Margie has an idea. She closes her eyes and takes a deep breath and begins to pray for Stephen out loud. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. He says, and this is a direct quote, oh my God, I'm in the car with a religious freak. Like he's like, he's like he's oh, horrible. can you believe and he, this? And then he gets out of the car because he's horrified. No. So Wait, what a shitty, like, mm-hmm. yeah, she's the freak in mm-hmm. this situation. He's horrified. <laughs> so she's praying out loud for him. He thought she was faking it at first so that he would leave her alone. He was like, stop it. Yeah. Like, just whatever. But then he looks and sees that in the car, she has a notebook of handwritten scripture. Wow. That she has written. Yeah. And he's weirdly like, what? And like kind of starts asking her some questions about it. Like he's finding Jesus in this moment. Yeah. And so he's driving at this point. Her hands are underneath her. Like she's sitting on them because he basically like told her to do Mm -hmm. that. She takes her hands out from underneath her. She puts them on Stephen's forehead and she attempts to cast out the evil in him. Oh my god, is this an exorcism podcast? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so she is screaming, you evil spirits, go now. You will not keep destroying his life and destroying mine. Now leave my car. And she's like screaming. Oh my god, this is an exorcism episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But he's like sitting there like, uh, what? I mean, that is uncomfortable, like... I have to say I have no sympathy for the serial killer, but, like, it's a weird situation. Oh, yeah. And, but, <laughs> but, like, it's, like, just weird enough to maybe work. Like, so he's to actually like, get the evil demons yeah, out of him? he's kind of like, what? Okay. And he's like, I don't want to hurt you, lady. And then he later says, like, but I don't know how I'm ever going to let you go. Yeah. Because of everything that's happening. He knows the cops are on to him. They're driving around for a, a good chunk. And so he starts to get a little bit comfortable with her. Mm -hmm. So then they just kind of start chatting. He starts to tease her for her terrible music cassette collection and the options that she has there. Flirting a little bit? Huh? Is is this flirtation? Uh, Not really. He's like, all you have is like this weird like church spiritual music. Because fun fact, she is actually very religious. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. But then he finds one tape where he says... Oh, he's like, oh, lady, if you, if you have what I think you have, you're one fucking cool lady. What? And he puts it in, and it's Christopher Cross's debut single, Ride Like the Wind. And he, <laughs> That's his jam? That's his jam. He cranks the shit so loud and literally sings the entire song to what? her. What? Where she's like, okay. And just like, I'm, I feel comfortable. He's that singing. is so weird. He's starting to get weirdly comfortable with her, though, in the car, and they're driving around. Soon, they pull into a 7-Eleven, and he tells her to go in and get some cigarettes, get some beer, and get a newspaper. Okay. So so he's just letting her go in to, like, tell the people in the place that there's a killer in her car? That's, but <laughs> he knows she if she does, he's going to kill her. Uh, couldn't she just stay in there? Could she, though, if he has a gun and he just starts shooting? I don't know. It seems like... I'm just saying. But then also, if he goes in, she just drives away. Yeah. Then what? Seems like, don't get a cigarette? He goes in, takes the keys. I don't know. She runs. There's not a great situation. So he's like, go in, get these things for me. He's feeling more comfortable. She goes in. She picks up the paper It is only then that she realizes how much trouble she's actually in 
and who this man is. Is he on the paper? He's on the paper. The headline reads, accused killer of 30 guns down two in San Antonio. Oh my God. Because of the two that he had yeah. shot earlier that day. Wait, is his picture in the paper or she just assumes that that's him? I'm a, It doesn't say, but I'm assuming it's his picture yeah. as well. Because yeah. she like reads it and she's like, oh fuck. So now she knows this is not just like a crazy dude with a gun. This is a serial killer. How do the police know that this guy's accused of 30 murders? They've already been tracking him. Like they already know. So like they've been trying to find him for a really long time. She debates asking the cashier to call the cops. But she looks out and she sees him just watching her. And Mm -hmm. he is very closely watching her. The cashier is a young girl. She's like in her teens. And she's like... If I do, he's going to kill both of us. Yeah. So either I say, call the cops and we both die. Yeah. Or I say nothing and I save this cashier's life and I go back in the car. Wow. So she says nothing. And she goes back into the car. She has all the stuff. She gives it to him. Is he, that like awkward when she gives him the newspaper that has like his picture on I'm it? I'm sure he's probably, <laughs> I don't know. He's probably like, yeah, check it out. He's like, I'm famous. Yeah, boy's famous. Um... At that point, he stays parked and has her go into a phone booth and he has her call her husband to say like, hey, everything's fine. Don't I know I'm a little bit late. Don't worry about me. He's in the phone booth with her while mm-hmm. she's making so she this can't call. Say anything. Yeah. He has her tell him to put the kids to bed, feed the kids, give them a bath, put them to bed. And I wrote in caps. Which the articles say he has never done before, so he's a little bit confused. (sighs) Yeah. Get your shit together, Dad. Yeah. The dad's (sighs) like, I was a little confused because, like, I've never fed the kids and given them a bath and put them to bed. Wow, the 80s are a wild time. My God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So... He does, and it is only hours later. And he's doing, like, such a bad job, and the kids are like, what? Yeah, I was like, what what did they eat? And he's like, cigarettes, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) So hours later, he's watching the news, and she still isn't home, Mm -hmm. and that's when he calls the cops, because the news is about this, like, shooting that happened, this serial killer, it's ominous, and he's like, wait a minute. (laughs) And so he calls the cops then. Soon, Stephen, in the car begins to open up a little bit to Margie. So they're still driving. They're still on the road. Mm -hmm. He basically starts apologizing for swearing earlier at her. I mean, Mm -hmm. of all the things he's done, that is probably the worst. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He starts talking about his family. He feels like a fraud because he's married and has a kid. Mm -hmm. They don't know who he actually is. It's one of his many identities. He talks about how much he loves his son. Even though he abandoned his son to go start a new identity. To murder more people. To murder more people. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I feel like a fraud. And he starts talking about his son, how much he loves him. He feels like his son would hate him for everything that he's well, done. Sure. And he's I would like, say like warranted anxiety. Uh oh. Time's up. Okay, I'm on, no, no, I don't have a. Okay. He says that he thinks his son would hate him for all the things he's done. And Margie says, if your son committed the kind of crimes that you did, don't you think you could forgive him, though? And he was kind of like, whoa. <laughs> and he's like, lady. Never thought about it Yeah, like this that. is a direct quote. Lady, you've been preaching to me all day long, and now I understand what you're saying. Oh. So I'm going to go fast because there's a lot to end on. He has calmed down at this point. Margie even at one point falls asleep, and they're just like still driving around. She is jolted awake when he pulls over the car. 
He throws his hands up in the air and says, I'm sorry, Lord, for everything I've done. Please forgive me. I want to go to heaven. Afterward, he drives to a rest stop after this. He takes out the gun he's holding. He pours the bullets out into Margie's purse. And he says, I will never kill again. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. He was saved. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the exorcism (laughs) did it. Also, to be clear, he had other bullets. They found them on him later. But anyways, (laughs) as well as a bag of speed and sedatives. Mm -hmm. So he decides that in a grand gesture, he is going to visit this televangelist that Margie told him about in Fort Worth. And he is going to, in this grand scene, lay his gun down on this televangelist's desk. Of like, okay. I've, I'm a serial killer, blah, 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 but in the name of the Lord, I am yeah. done. And he's going to lay his gun down. And she's like, wow, great idea. This yeah. is amazing. Also, like, get those ratings up. Oh, yeah. You and know let's what I mean? do it. Yeah. Eight hours after she is initially taken at gunpoint, Margie goes to an ATM to take $300 out, hands it to Steven, and drives him to a bus station. After asking, they get out of the car, after asking permission Stephen hugs and kisses Margie on the cheek. <laughs> she gives him her notebook of scriptures. Oh my God. And he reaches into a pocket and gives her an earring with a cross and a green stone saying, I want you to have this. This is for you. So they're exchanging little like remember me gifts. Yeah. So he's like in it. He walks away. Margie gets back into the car. She immediately locks the doors <laughs> And as the bus pulls away, Stephen is waving from the window oh with a big smile to Margie, oh who God. is waving back like, goodbye, you crazy <laughs> serial killer. She leaves, cries immediately, of course. Yeah. She goes home. <laughs> this is where we are all, Margie. The first thing she does is ask for a drink. Yeah. She's like, a stiff get one. me a drink yeah. now. She lies to the cops at first about, because the cops are already there because yeah. the husband called. She lies at first about where Steven is. Why? Because she's a little bit worried about, like, he might track her down. He might come after her. He killed 30 people. Yeah. She's scared. I still don't get, whatever. Let's okay. keep going. She eventually tells them the truth. They are convinced, though, that, uh, so he had, like, a little bit of, like, a, a quote-unquote layover. So he takes the bus to one place, has to wait like an hour, and then catch another bus to go Mm -hmm. to this Fort Worth, whatever. So she's like, here's what his actual plan is. Yeah. And the cops are like, he's not going to be... This this calculated serial killer that changed his identity multiple times is not going to be waiting at a bus terminal... Where he has this layover, like, yeah. just, like, to hop on another bus that he's told yeah. you about and let you go. But sure enough, a plainclothes female officer walks into the terminal just to see, just in case. And sitting there is Stephen, and he is calmly reading Margie's book of scriptures oh when this officer shows up. Wow. And they're like, holy shit. He gets arrested without any incident. Mm-hmm. He goes to trial. He pleads guilty. He gets the death penalty. Yeah. But the weirdest thing I want to say and what I'm going to end on is that after his arrest, he began calling, writing, and even sending Margie Christmas cards from prison. He even extended that friendship beyond that to her mom and her sister, calling them for regular check-ins. This was going to be my question. Like, Mm -hmm. when they were parting ways, in my mind, I was like, I bet they keep in touch. Oh, 
they because do. Because she's like, you know, a no. Christian woman yeah. who forgives or whatever. I didn't even write this, but he would call her house and her husband would answer. Mm-hmm. And would be like, right away, like he would try to make conversation with the husband and be like, I'm fine, here's Margie. And would just like hand it to her. And then they would be on the phone for like half an hour. What? Just like talking and catching up. Mm-mm. And so then even her mom and her sister started having these conversations. Also, I didn't write this down, but one of the weirdest things was that none of her friends or even a lot of her family knew she was super religious. Yeah. So when they found out about this, they were like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. And so this was like her comfort to like open up about it. Margie visited Stephen uh, in jail about 15 times and even made the trek to see him on death row the day before he was executed. Wow. So she went to go visit him and they prayed together the day before what he died. What a good person. Yeah. Margie is. And that is the story of Margie Palm, who stopped a serial killer single-handedly by praying for him. I think we all know the big guy upstairs stopped that serial killer <laughs> through Margie. Yeah? Okay. Like Kevin? He's sitting upstairs Yeah, right Kevin did it. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. How do you know about that? Great question, and I have no answer. I'm sure someone probably sent it to me, and now they're oh, mad you're at not me. even giving them credit? No, I don't think anyone's... I think I read about it online or just something random. That's Probably a great story. So I thought it was interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah. Good for Marge. Good for Margie. We also, Marge. she recently have, has done some art. She didn't talk about it. She's been petitioned for book deals, movies. She doesn't want to do it. Yeah. She's older now, obviously, and just finally did her first interview within the last few years. Oh, really? About here's what actually happened and then told everyone yeah. what happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She's a better person than me. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay, you're going to do the high notes. I'm going to say you win because you snagged a topic from my friend. So you win. there was fairies. I'm going to do all the things? No, I said I'm going to do the things. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can rate, review, and subscribe if you would like. Send us topics at thefreakshowpod at gmail.com. Put in the subject line, Lauren, because they should be for me, but like on the off chance that you want them to be for Megan, you could put her name in the subject Thank line. Thank you for that clarification. But like, really, we all know who should get up. You know what I mean? Come on. You can follow us on Instagram at the Freak Show Pod. <laughs> Maybe we'll post some fairy pics. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to post. We'll for post this. something. And that's it, Megan. Yeah. Take us out on that high note. My high note. I feel like we don't necessarily. This was a pretty high episode. It was, it was okay. Mine um, ended in someone getting burned to death. Yeah, and my person got <laughs> executed on death row. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Fun, 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 fun. <laughs> um, my high note is that I was telling Lauren that I'm buying a bunch of tickets to things mm-hmm. that are happening within the next couple months, which is exciting for me. So went to a couple concerts recently and going to see Young Frankenstein at the theater, so going fun. to see The Wiz when it comes to Chicago. Waiting to go see Death Becomes Her when it comes to mm-hmm. Chicago, because it's going to be the Broadway premiere. That's cool. Yeah. So just like a lot of theater things that are happening, which is where I prefer to spend my money anyways. So that's my high note is that going to kind of see shows and out in the real world and actually making plans. Love it. Thanks. I'm so proud of you. Thank I wish you. just once you'd invite me. I literally have invited <laughs> you to every single kidding. one of these. That's not true. That's an exaggeration. Okay. But I did we'll invite fight about it off mic. I invited you to Young Frankenstein. I know. We'll fight about it later. But <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back when we're back. Deal with it. Until then, later freaks. Later freaks. Later freaks.